0: Welcome to another episode of the History of Networking on the Network Collective. On this episode, we are talking to Christian O'Flaherty of the Internet Society about the history of the Internet in Latin America. So grab a pile of cookies, sit back, relax, and join us as we meld with the finest minds in networking. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Network Collective. Donald, I see you are missing your frogs jumping on your head today. I am. I, do. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> but you do have the little door opening thing. So if somebody opens the door on you really fast, it catches. Which is good. Which is good because it wouldn't make a loud noise. Or damage the wall. <laughs> or damage the wall. Make a hole in the wall. So Christian is over here. And Christian has a really cool looking... Wall art going on there. I think that's a rug or is it? A- it is a rug. Yep. It is a rug. That's really cool. You usually put those on the floors, Christian. Uh, maybe the
1: uh, <laughs> yes, it depends on the day. Maybe the room rotates.
0: Maybe the room rotates. <laughs> You're in Montevideo, right? Is that correct? Yes, I am.
1: I'm actually from Argentina, but I'm living in Montevideo. Yeah. You're right.
0: cool. La Rambla, right?
1: Well, yes. The office
0: is nearby. But the I office not is common. nearby. The La yeah, that's what yep. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Montevideo a couple of times. It's, it's a really cool place. Um, I guess there's a LACNOG there. In fact, I just saw the thing for the LACNOG call for papers. So I need to go ahead and put in a call for papers, papers thing. Yes,
1: but actually that was misleading information because the next LACNOG is going to happen in, it's going to be in Rosario in Argentina.
0: Okay. In Argentina. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the Latin American area, Or you just like going to uh, operators' conferences. Lacknog is actually one of the cooler ones, um, I think. I tend to go to Chai and I tend to go to Ripe and Lacknog, and Lacknog is one of the cooler ones. Unfortunately, I don't speak Spanish, so I just hang out with Christian. (laughs) 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 Who tells me all the good places to go eat. Otherwise, I would get lost.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we are getting more and more people interested from the world. So nowadays, there are a lot of people that hang out in different languages yeah, but it, uh, you're right it was the case in the past that it was mostly in Spanish
0: it was mostly in Spanish right I remember Alvaro saying he could never win because he would <laughs> present in Spanish and they would translate to English <laughs> he would present in English and they would translate to Spanish that's right. like you just need to switch back and forth every other sentence and see how the translator deals like to call,
1: yes. <laughs> with it. yes
0: because that would always be entertaining so let's back up in time. Now, let's begin here, actually, because this is actually an interesting problem for a lot of people. A lot of people don't understand geographically how the inter- how connecting people together and in geography interacts. Um, I'd like to get somebody on from Greenland at some point and talk about Greenlandic problems in the Greenland area and Iceland area for networking, because it's really interesting. You don't think about the geographic issues. And I know in Latin America, the history of the internet has a lot to do with around those geographic issues, right? Around mountain ranges and local tribes and things like that that go on.
1: You're right. It's not as isolated as Greenland, but yes, we are, we are far apart. And, and at the beginning, uh, the distances were, were, and, and the lack of investment that, that there was not many options it was mostly satellites so f- on um, uh, in that regard it was similar to what Greenland has available it's right not, there are not many options when you're in a place where it's not worth investing to reach there with fiber so
0: yeah well it's not only that it's the mountain ranges right in the political climate where it's hard to get a fiber across a mountain range or drive it through a mountain range or whatever the case might be so that actually creates connectivity issue right that kind Mm -hmm. of problems with um, getting connectivity to happen so in the earlier days you talked about satellite where were those satellite ground stations i mean you are coming out of latin america with satellite but where were those ground stations like where would they go to
1: well, they, 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 most of the service providers had their own stations and they were spread in, in the country. There were uh, what we call teleports, so the, the big stations on the capital cities. So it was not unusual to have double jump, so from the US to the capital city in a country, like in Buenos Aires for us in Argentina. And from there, a second jump to reach other cities in the country. So for average uh, latency, it was about like 300 milliseconds at the minimum for whatever you wanted to do. the most of the internet, because at that time, also the the lack of local content and local um, population online, more than 98% of the traffic was to the U.S. or, or through the U.S., so for whatever you wanted to do, it was at least 300 milliseconds apart if you were in a, in a city in the inner country.
0: So going from one Latin American city to another Latin American city, and then...
1: Exactly, from a city in a, in a state to the capital city, and from there, the, the main connection I could say that the country has to the US. So that's... Okay. I'm from the south. It was
0: two hops to the U.S. So, like, if you wanted to get to go from Montevideo to, say, Mexico City or, you know, wherever, you would actually go from whatever little city you were in, suburb of Montevideo to Montevideo, hop to Miami or someplace in the U.S., and then hop back to Mexico City or someplace like that, and then you would hop back from there to a local, back to a suburb or whatever it was.
1: Yes, that, that was the case in, in bigger countries, not in Uruguay, which is pretty small, but in Brazil, Argentina, Chile, countries where the population is scattered in on, on, on different cities in the country. Like my city, it's in the south of Argentina. So from my city, if I wanted to reach the internet, I had one hop to Buenos Aires, another hope. To Miami where actually it was hosted in the South Florida and from there if I wanted to reach a city that was in, in, in Peru for example that would mean another satellite hop to Lima and if I was trying to reach a city that was not Lima it would be a fourth hop so yes it, it was but you, you get used to that I mean everybody complains <laughs> about latency but when that's the only thing you've got <laughs> we did phone conversations and, and things that nowadays uh, sounds like impossible, and, and, and we had like half a second of delay without any problem. Your, your brain deals with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered what was wrong with you, Christian, in that <laughs> Your brain deals with delays. <laughs> yeah. So no, you're saying it's a half second in
1: the future. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <That's> okay. <laughs> so from there, I mean, so and that last hop would have been satellite as well, right? Or was it microwave? Largely microwave.
1: Well, it was. It, it depends. But uh, in, in cities that were far apart, it was usually satellite. If they were not far from the capital cities on the countries. It was microwaves or, or it was landline connections. There were several uh, providers providing like frame relay. <laughs> well, yes.
0: <laughs> Most people listening to this don't even know what frame relay is. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. <laughs> or X-25. Oh, no. Of course. Well, that, that was our initial connections in 1992. We used X-25 paying by the kilo segment and, and tons <laughs> of money to the public company, yes, and, and, and at that time, fortunately, it was just telnet and very basic things that we had to do, but yes, it was extremely expensive and slow and, and, and very low slow speed.
0: So from there, I, you, you can bring in the internet society at some point whenever they started having an impact in the area. Was it then or was it later on? Because from there, you kind of moved more towards C cables, right? through Miami primarily
1: yes but the i started working or, or or doing activities not not as staff but engaged with ISOC in 1997 and there were several workshops for developing countries and at that time we still had satellite connections but we were the, the initial investments to reach with subsea cables started at at that time. So we prepared ourselves to uh, to a different internet, a new internet. The the way that you plan your network when you are restricted on bandwidth is completely different to, to when you've got plenty of capacity. So when we started those development workshops at that time uh, the, the, the internet started changing changing in, in, in this region
0: so talk about that. I mean what do you do differently when you 're designing a network for well, like high delay low bandwidth situations? A lot of us don 't encounter that on a regular basis
1: The most important impact is in in, in the growth of, of the network uh, not that much on on the services because uh, services are are Service that demanded the user, so so you you yeah. you, you can't influence the user planning your network. So, but the the when you start using fiber and the equipment that you buy because you you need fiber ports, it's usually orders of mag- magnitude more capable compared to to the initial speed. When you grow with satellite links, the the, the the growth so was so predictable, I would say, that the equipment was always matching the 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 bandwidth increase and 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 the 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 size of the equipment wasn't very big. The local connections, the local links, wasn't very big. But then when you at that time we, we had like. Uh, uplinks on the order of the 10s of megs and the, the fiber connection from the subsea cable was on STM1, 155 megs. So the equipment that we bought for those fiber connections was uh, huge compared to the small equipment. At the time, for example, we had like hundredths for, for the satellite connections and that was enough and they we were able to, to run our network for like four years with them without any problem. <laughs> yeah, we just applied the additional ports and that was it. And then when we started with, with the, I think it was before the 12,000 was something else, I don't recall, but in, in a year we had to replace the equipment. So the-,
0: the Just onion, because growth, just because of port count. Exactly, because of growth in
1: general, because when you've got additional bandwidth, you can deploy additional services, you've got the data center services that you didn't have before, you've got additional areas in your network that you were not able to cover because of competitive reasons or whatever. So you start growing in a completely different way. And, And that was an amazing experience.
0: So, so you talk about how you just kind of adapted to it, but there was definitely like an economic issue, right? With having such slow links that bounce through, like bouncing through Miami, not because it's a foreign country necessarily, just the distance and just the, the amount of delay and stuff that's on the link. It makes commerce really hard, right? And stuff like that. So uh, what, like, what, what impact would you have that?
1: When we were in satellite, we didn't realize that we had like limitations, we, we, we thought that that was the Internet that we had available, and the, the, the businesses and services and wh- whatever we needed to, to deploy, we did it, and some of them worked better. As, as I said, we were able to have phone calls with <laughs> like 100 milliseconds. and that worked. Of course, when you've got fiber, then you've got a different experience, and, and you will never go back to something like that or to get yeah, used to. Right, to, of course, to, to, yeah. to the, but the businesses themselves, the services, the opportunities uh, were not different. We, uh, I can't say that we were restricted by the, the, the technology in any way. We used us other regions, of course, differently because the, the quality was different, the experience was different, but not the right. type of services.
0: Okay, so was LACNIC formed before? When was LACNIC formed in this process? It was in, in 2012. So oh, my when,
1: goodness. So we're, let's not Sorry, talk sorry, about. no, no, sorry, two, two, 2002, 2002. Okay, so let's not my, jump my, my ahead fault. that far. We're not yeah. <laughs> what is LACNIC stand for? It's Latin American Network. Information Center, but actually it's the RIR. So yeah, at exactly. that time, yes, you have Afrinic and LACNIC and APNIC. So,
0: so at that time, y'all were getting addresses out of Aaron, right? You were getting address space out of Aaron. Is that correct? That that's correct. Um, and yeah, which is North American, technically, it's not South American. So you well, have a local IP address pool.
1: The, the but the A it's for America, originally. internet. Oh. So. so uh, it, it, was, it was fine, we, we were in the American registry, we were America, so that, that was okay. But then the, our services and businesses and networks were so small compared to the US companies that the need for a different service was obvious with different prices, different PDP policy process and, and the, the, the participation was all, almost absent from Latin America in our area at that time, so there was a need to to have a, a a different service for for the registry in this region, and that's why uh, we started discussing about a uh, regional registry for ourselves. Having a
0: regional registry. So yeah. another thing that, that I would think is that with that kind of service, you didn't have much of a community, right? I mean, the imp- importance of community and building networks is vastly underrated by a lot of people. And I don't think there was a lot of community until you started LACNIC either.
1: Well, there were like local communities. What, what there wasn't was a regional community. You're right. Uh, LACNIC helped creating this uh, regional community, which also evolved to LACNOG and other uh, like regional communities more specialized in different topics. But at the local level, there were several local communities. Like in Argentina, we've got, because of the IXP, what's called Kavase, which is the the local IXP, we had a community of network operators that was pretty strong. It was also the case in in Brazil that evolved from FAPESP, which was the first IXP, to which nowadays it's NIC-BR. And in, in... other countries, like Chile, it was somehow spread on different groups and different companies, but there was also something, and, and, and the reason for that was also the satellite, because satellite connections were so expensive that it was but obvious that the benefit to, to interconnecting locally and, and meeting and discussing things locally. Then with the fiber, that, that benefit was not as obvious as, as it was before. But that's why a lot of local groups started before 2000 when, with, with the fiber.
0: Okay, so the fiber first came in in 2000. It was basically bouncing C-cable via Miami or someplace like that, right?
1: Yes, yes. But the, the, the two cable systems that, were, that started at, at that time, one from Telefonica and one from Global Crossing, both had similar rings around South America and the, the, the connection was in, in Miami for both.
0: Okay, so still to get between the two providers, you would have to go through Miami to get, like if you came off on the Telefonica fiber and you wanted to go to a city that was not connected to Telefonica, you had to bounce through Miami, which was still a lot of delay and depended on traffic patterns in Miami and stuff and what was going on at the pop or the landing point there. So, 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 how, did, so how did Miami get chosen?
1: Well, Miami is the capital city for Latin America. <laughs> 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 but I, I don't think that was the reason. No, probably <laughs> the, there were several cables already connecting to the south of the Florida, and it's not just geography. It's also businesses. If, if you are from Latin America and you want to do business in the region, the, the most efficient way it's going miami and from there reaching all the countries
0: so 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 let's back up and talk about why that is because again it does it's not apparent to a lot of people i mean it would seem to make more sense to go from directly from brazil to mexico or you know montevideo to from uruguay to mexico or whatever why is it that going through miami is miami is more efficient in that environment
1: more efficient to reach the the Latin American countries from a single place. So there, if you see the geography, of course, there might be more efficient places talking about latency. But as all of us were connected or or were interested in connecting to the US and and Miami was a hub already, so it was natural to, to try to reach that place. And all of us, all of the countries in Latin America were doing that. So that's why from there you were able in a single hope to reach every place in, place in, in the region. So, so, so it's
0: like two birds with one stone. You want to get connectivity to the US, which gives you connectivity to the rest of the world. And at the same time, you to get interconnection inner between all the Latin American co- countries. And for the least amount of investment, if you all connect in the same place, then it gives you the most efficient connectivity um, internally and externally for one fiber connection. Now, has that remained constant over the years? I mean, everybody still goes through Miami. My understanding is there's more cross-country cable now going the,
1: the, There are, but. And, and there are also like small hubs, like Brazil, it's currently a hub because there are a lot of CDNs and uh, networks that reach that, uh, that place. And, and from there, you can get a lot of uh, content and peerings. And so there are other hubs. Is
0: this Sao Paulo? Yeah, Paulo? Yes, Sao Paulo. Okay, okay. Just wondering what city it was. Yeah. But, but
1: Miami is still the, the biggest hub for, for, for the region. So now, when networks are trying to are, are concerned with delay and, and and need to be closer to the e closer to to the users, then they start um, connecting to as, I, as you see Sao Paulo, Panama City, Santiago in Chile. So there are places that are getting more uh, attraction and and more connections, but Miami is still the number one in the region.
0: Interesting. So let's go back to the history of LACNIC and LACNOG. So you went through this because you said that there was differences in the customers between the U.S. and the Latin American region. And I understand now LACNOG is actually servicing um, Cuba and various other countries as well in that region, right? I mean, it's grown beyond just, Chile and um, you know Montevideo, Uruguay, and areas like that. Right, it's actually become more regional for the I guess the basin in that area.
1: Yes, you, you mean LACNIC as the registry or, yeah. or like LA- yes yes, Mike. yes the, the, the 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 registry covers uh, Latin America in general from Mexico to to Argentina, but also. The Spanish-speaking Caribbean, and there are a few islands like Trinidad and Tobago that speak English that also belong to to LACNIC. So yes, it's the many Caribbean islands, Central America, South America, and Mexico. Okay.
0: So why don't you explain what a nick does? Because a lot of people don't understand even what a nick does. I mean, I talk about this and how the internet really works and stuff, but um, a lot of people listening to this probably don't even understand what a nick does and what a nog does.
1: Well, the the LACNIC as a regional internet registry is the organization that provide the IP addresses and ASNs for the networks that are willing to provide service. So they demand IP addresses for their networks and they go to the regional registry for their regions and for our region, that's LACNIC. So there's a... policy that is agreed among the community and that's why I mentioned that we had a need in the past to have our own community to develop those policies because the policies required for small companies or uh, small businesses in our region is completely different to the one in the US so that that was the, the main reason so the community develops that those policies and the staff in the registry applies those policies to distribute the ip addresses and, and as numbers to the networks so that's a, an rir the NOG, like like, like NOG, that's a more informal community of network of people technical people operating their networks and the reason we started that was that we we had a community but but was not um, it was an informal community. So we knew each other, but we didn't have a mailing list to share experiences. We didn't have a meeting. So in 2010, we met for the first time in Brazil. And since, since then the, the, the group of operators uh, grew and, and, and we've got meetings every year and there's a very active mailing list. So the purpose of, of that community of the, Lagno community. It's more to to share experiences and and, and to discuss local operational issues of this region and on different countries. We do also have many local network operators groups in in the region, like one in Argentina, one in Brazil, one in Chile. And they are also very active too. So we've got like regional topics in LACNOG and we do have local topics like OTGs or ven- local vendors or things like, like that discussed in the national NOGs.
0: And so would you say that such NOGs are primarily focused on service providers or would you say any network operator? Like-
1: Ours is pretty open and you've got a lot of universities, for it. for example, people running. Yeah, I was going to ask
0: you about university participation because that's pretty, that's pretty different with LACNOG from what I've yeah.
1: heard. Yeah, there's a lot of participation from universities, universities which is not the case in, in others like NAMOC, for example, but there are not many. And the reason for that, I guess, is that the universities in this region were part of the, of the initial networks in every country. So people working at universities created the initial networks in, in their own countries and since then have been involved in the, in the business somehow, even working at the same universities or working at companies, but also being part of the universities. So that's why we still have a lot of presence from universities in the internet businesses in the region. It's not that they are doing businesses, but the people working at universities is also somehow influencing their countries in different ways. Yeah.
0: It's interesting because I think that would actually be a positive thing for other NOGs. But the other thing I was pointing out is that most of the time, even if you're an operator who doesn't operate what you might consider a service provider, but you're a large, what people like to call enterprise operator or just a network operator that relies on information technology, but their business is not information technology, it's still really useful often to get involved in these network operator groups because there's a lot of information floating around, a lot of wisdom that you wouldn't get any other place. And I tend to think LACNOG does a better job of that than most of the other operator groups that I've encountered. Um, you know, I've never looked at FRNOG and, and some of the others, but it seems to me that LACNOG as an organization does better with that.
1: Yes, I don't know if it's something that we are doing on, on purpose and, and, and actually we, we – we, we never thought about that, but one of the reasons could be, could be that on, on, when we select presentations for our meetings, we really enjoy presentations from researchers and, and experiences from universities sometimes when I, I do recall like five years or four years ago when there were a lot of discussions on IPv6 the ones with most m- more experiences or, and, and, and more things to, to to present were the ones from the universities because service providers were not very, uh, I would say, um, they, they were not early adopters and, and they, they didn't have anything to, to present.
0: Interesting. Okay, cool. So another question I was gonna ask you about was internet exchange points, which is interesting to me that I know that they have played a much larger role in latin america than they have in many other areas can you explain like why that is i think you talked a little bit about this early on but a lot of people don't even understand what ixps are they tend to think of you know uh, just uh, a place where you're um connecting to your cloud service or something like that but they, they actually play a larger role in the ecosystem particularly in places like latin america so you, can you explain a little bit about ixps and and that area of the world and how they're, why they're important.
1: Yes, I, I, I agree. And now that uh, I, I'm coordinating the IXP activities for ISOC and, and I'm engaged in different IXP meetings and discussions are, around the world, I can see that. I can see how we, I don't know if we benefited or, or we used uh, IXPs in, in, in a different way. We, the IXPs that were created in this region were owned by the service providers were, were uh, somehow, they, they were not companies, they were organizations and were driven by the service providers. And that's probably one of the reasons that they always used them in, in, in different ways, but aligned with their businesses. And they were, they were very active on, 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 I would say, effective on addressing issues, different issues on on different periods. Like, as I said at the beginning, it was because of the satellite connections that that was...
0: So regional connectivity is a big issue in that type of environment.
1: Yes, but that, that was a driver. But then when the like five years after that, 2000 and, and something, when the peer-to-peer connections and there was uh, an explosion of peer-to-peer traffic which surpassed HTTP at that time. Then the the, uh, the, the AXPs also had a very important role and, and they were very efficient for traffic exchange. And then uh, I do recall in Argentina and Brazil too, there were a lot of uh, discussions on... On, on, on policy issues and things that were not technical, but were more related with regulation. And because of the AXP community, the companies were able to discuss them in, in, a, in a business table and, and face the governments from a m- m- more, um, I would say common position.
0: Mm. So, so Even in addressing government policy towards the internet, the IXP's played a major role, because they were already these types of centers of communities that were already there, which we don't have that experience in like North America or in Europe so much for various reasons.
1: Exactly. It was like in different periods, they had like different roles, and it was always aligned with the interests of the members of the AXP, so that's why they were able to adapt, but also they were very useful for them. And, and they grew they, on, on, on the amount of members on traffic and they grew because of that, because it's, it's not a business here. It, it's a, I, I guess it, in, in the U.S. and in, in Europe too, they, they're like companies. They, yeah, they work like- links like
0: companies. and Equinix and exactly, stuff like exactly. that.
1: Exactly, and, and, and it's not the case here. Here, they are used more as a resource for the companies and, and not as a
0: More as, as a, a cooperative business. or something like that than yeah. there would be, yeah, in other places.
1: And because of that, we are trying to, to promote additional AXPs in countries where they are not working well, they're very small, or they, are, they, they don't have, like in Guatemala. So yeah. as, as they've been so effective for, for development, I would say, in this region, we are promoting them and helping them. We, we try to provide equipment to put them all together to to agree on something. And, and we are also using them for um, like in, in Honduras or Bolivia, other countries where there's no YXP and also there's no uh, NREM. The, the, the universities are, are just buying from a service provider instead of interconnecting them. And we are trying to address both issues uh, with with the equipment, connecting all the universities on a single place, and also inviting service providers. And that worked very well in in Honduras and started working in Bolivia, too.
0: Okay, cool. So, WISP or WISP, wireless internet service providers, playing a big role in Latin America right now? I mean, have they in the past compared to now? I mean, again, this is a geography issue, right? It's hard to get into mountain villages sometimes and it's better to have a wireless connection up to those areas.
1: Yes, they've got a, a big role in, in small cities and the, the, there's a, a natural evolution for them to go from wireless to, to fiber. And we are seeing that uh, transition. We, we, we've seen that in the last like, two years for one year um, so many wireless providers are transitioning to fiber okay and, like, and and doing very good businesses
0: okay yeah. and so, then, so, no. so how, are, so how
1: are cell phones adoption affecting the ixps and the the mobile business here is, is pretty mature i would say we've got more than a hundred percent penetration in several countries so people have more than one mobile and and most of the population has one and but those companies behave like telephone companies they don't benefit much from ixps they don't have an internet attitude i would say they do have more uh still a uh, uh, legacy business uh, model, not an internet business model. That's still the case in, in this region. Probably the reason is that they were used to, to the comfortable telephony service, then they got used to the comfortable mobile service. And we'll see what happened, because I don't, I don't think that's going to be so, as comfortable as it was the mobile service, so we'll see.
0: Interesting. So there's one other thing I wanted to ask you before we close out maybe, which is um, I know LACNIC has done a lot with the RPKI and BGP security. So tell us a little bit about the history of that. I mean, why did LACNIC get involved with this so deeply? Were there specific business drivers? Was there something going on? Or was it just like a community project that seemed interesting and worthwhile to think about?
1: I don't think I'm I don't work for, for Lightning, so I can't speak on their behalf, but I don't see it as a business driver. Actually there there is a problem. There is a problem in, in the the uh, impact that leaks and and bad announcements make on the on the BGP stability, I would say. So that there, there is a problem. And the RIRs agreed that RPKI was the way to go to address that problem. That was their position for all of them. Probably Airing was the least convinced or least active, but uh, RIPE and APNIC were very active too. And in this region, probably because of the IXPs, there were a lot of very good um, experiments, like the one in Ecuador, for example, that because of the IXP, most of the prefixes in Ecuador have uh, ROA, and, and they are using it in, on, on their local peerings. So th- there are very good um, experiences, and the, the penetra- or, or the usage of uh, RPKI is very uh, good compared to other regions. But it's not. I,
0: I don't the IXPs infrastructure. I, the I, I, yes, I, I think it's more
1: because of the network operator groups, groups, because of the XPs, because of the strong Latin community that uh, bought that product and 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 felt it, it was something worth exploring, and and. I I don't think that, it, that that there was any additional reasons for for them to
0: okay. promote. Okay, I was it. just curious because I know it's a big it's a been a big thing at the LACNOC conferences to talk about it a lot and stuff. Yeah, so cool.
1: Yes, it's it's uh, you're, you're right. As LACNIC was interested, it was one of the topics that um, was. They had more presence in in the presentations, and because of that, it created more interest in the operators, and because of that, they probably tried and signed their own, created their own certificate. So, yes, there were multiple reasons.
0: Cool, excellent. So, any questions, Donald? No, he's given up on us. (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't given up. (laughs) <laughs> so, cool. Thanks, Christian, for coming on for um, this yeah, Institute sure. of Networking. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on to talk about some other challenges in Latin America or what happened at uh, LACNOG or something like that. might be kind of cool, some of the presentations going on. I know you work for ISOC um, rather than LACNIC, but, you know, it's cool because you're down there, you're in that area, and you see a lot of what goes on uh, in the Latin American region. And it's a region that not many people from outside of that region have a lot of exposure to for whatever reason i don't necessarily understand all the time we tend to get trapped in the europe u.s kind of thing and then we go far east sometimes and things like that but nobody ever seems to think about or to deal a lot with the latin american region for some reason it's kind of strange so that was kind of part of the reason i wanted to have you on because it's it's cool to hear from latin america and uh, you know talk some about some of the challenges and some of the history of what's going on down there so cool so um thanks and um thanks for listening donald where can people reach you
1: you can the find me on place. yeah the usual place on twitter at me
0: okay and do you blog or anything um christian
1: mm, well i sometimes blog in in, in isoq so, oh, so now it's like
0: internet yeah. okay yeah. and do you have a twitter or anything
1: I do, but I'm not very active in Twitter.
0: Oh, just like me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I should be and more active.
0: Yeah, no, no, not necessarily.
1: No? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you you I, should yeah.
0: blog. You should blog more of it. Twitter, yeah. you know, some people like it and some people don't. I, but you know, it is what it is. So you can always find me, of course, at rule11.tech and at the Network Collective. And thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Network Collective History of Networking. Thanks.